I'm Lonnie Diane Rich, and this is How Story Works. Welcome to How Story Works, a storytelling skills podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich, and thank you for hanging out with me today. I really appreciate you being here. On this episode of How Story Works, we are going to be talking about how sometimes, sometimes the thing you need to fix in your writing isn't actually your writing, but the way you think about your writing. But before we get to that, Things are moving here at How Story Works Central. Stuff is happening. I had a marketing and branding meeting and discovered I had a lot of work to do, so I did it. Well, I did most of it. Well, I did some of it. First, the new How Story Works website is up. Visit howstory.works to check it out and learn all the reasons why you should buy the How Story Works book if you have not yet done so. Also, applications are now open for the Year of Writing Magically 2024 workshop. In case you forgot, the Year of Writing Magically workshop is about getting you to actually write that novel or screenplay or other long-form fiction project you've been wanting to write but haven't been able to. In one of the most unexpected testimonials ever, I have a number of people returning from last year's workshop to do it again, which I did not anticipate, but I'm really excited about. So space is limited. Get your application in today. Go to HowStory.Works or GearWritingMagically.com to get more information. Applications close December 16th. And my guest today is Melina Cantor, a writer who is part of the current 2023 cohort. So if you're not sure about whether or not you want to apply, keep listening because we talk about the experience a bit. It should give you a sense of whether this is the right thing for you in 2024. Also, I want to talk to you a little bit about my Substack, Dear Writer. Um, there's always this moment where I'm like, I don't like to talk about my Substack, which of course is a reference to Office Space and Jennifer Aniston's a completely classic line. I don't like to talk about my flair. Uh, but yeah, uh, now I need to talk about my Substack. Um, I have mentioned it here a few times, um, but I've also been a really big mess with it, so I don't like to talk about it a lot. It's mostly personal essays, some writer Q&A stuff, and a hodgepodge of just, you know, stuff, I guess. So here's the thing. Like most of the things that I do, I started my Substack on a whim. I wasn't really sure what I was doing with it. I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be doing with it. I woke up that morning not knowing I would have a Substack by the end of the day. And at the end of the day, I had a Substack. It's just kind of that's 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 how I do things here <laughs> in in my life. Um, but Substack, of course, you know, as a company trying to make money, really encourages writers to eventually go paid. And they're providing me with this wonderful service, this wonderful access to to people and to other writers and everything. And so for a while I did that. I went paid. I didn't like it. So I turned it off. Then I felt guilty because I was using this amazing service and they weren't making any money off of me. So I turned it back on and then I turned it off again and then I turned it back on again and added a podcast version of the newsletter as one of the paid subscription benefits. And then like a week ago, I just made a decision. Dear Writer is going to be free along with the podcast version, which is now available for free in all of the standard podcast apps. You should be able to find it. It might be a little difficult to find if you need the link to the actual RSS feed to put into your uh, podcast app of choice. It is in the show notes. So uh, go ahead and click on it there. So anyway, I, I just made this decision because what I realized is that Dear Writer is replacing social media for me. Um, well, social media, except for TikTok, I'm still doing TikTok. Um, and I, OK, and I might be doing some YouTube. 
But aside from that, like social media has been such a dumpster fire. And every time I go to most of the social media platforms, um, I feel this this sense of like poison seeping in through my skin. It's unpleasant. And I realized that what I wanted from Dear Writer was a chance to connect with people who liked what I do, who liked me, who weren't just in the middle of this wild morass of of swirling poison that is most of the social media platforms. Um, so once I realized that, that it wasn't for me like part of the business, but it was for me part of the... Um, the social economy, like it was part of me connecting with other people who understand what I do, who like what I do and who want to hear about what I do. Um, and I, so like that for me has been just a huge moment of realization. And while I am incredibly grateful to Substack, I am just going to support other paid subscriptions that I really, really like and let them have my money that way because I just, it's just not the right formula for me. Uh, Dear Writer is how I connect with other writers. And I love that. And that's what I want it to be. So that is where it is going forward. I'm never going to turn on paid again. And that's it. So go to dearwriter.substack.com. Go ahead and join up. There's other writers there. Um, I'm going to try to get people kind of chatting more, maybe do some of the notes stuff that they've got, play around with the things there. But the time I spent on social media is now going to be spent on Dear Writer. So that just feels... Oh my God. It just, I can't even tell you how, how much better it feels. It feels like I am just not going to be stepping into poison anymore. Although if you follow me on any of the more poisonous channels, I will be linking to things I'm doing there, but I think I'm not going to be engaging there, if that makes sense. Um, and if you don't want to come over to Dear Writer, we'll start a community. It'll be awesome. Um, trust me, it'll be fun. All right. So the other thing I wanted to update y'all on is I've been talking to you about my novel, uh, tentatively titled Nothing is Ever Always. Um, and I've been making progress with it, uh, but it has been a little bit slow because right now is when I really need to go into like, you know, deep promotional mode to fill up the workshop for next year so that uh, so that I can actually have time and space and community in which to write the next book. Um But where I am now is this place that I had kind of forgotten about. Like, uh, you know, it's been so long since I've written a novel. It's been uh, nine years since I've written one, seven since publishing my last novel. So for me, it's, it's just been this thing where I'm, I'm going back into this process and remembering all of the different stages of it. And right now, so where I am is, you know, we did the discovery. Y'all heard about that. We did the drafting. Um, so I got through that. Um, and now I'm in revision one. And in that space where you put it away in a drawer for like six to eight weeks or like however long it takes you to want to get back to it. Um, sometimes you don't want to get back to it. So if you hit eight weeks and you don't want to just go ahead and poke in it anyway, just as a little bit of advice. Sometimes we don't want to do the things that we want to do. And we don't know that we want to do them until we force ourselves to kind of like, you know, poke our nose back in it. So anyway, in in that stage of the first revision where you're looking at the the whole thing about drafting is be a mess, right? Let it be messy. Don't worry about it. You'll fix it later. Right. And then revision one is the fix it later part. And the thing that I'd forgotten about that is the the deep well of self-doubt, uh, that comes with revision one. Um, you've written a rough draft. You take some time away. You go back in. You're like, this is a mess. 
And it becomes a little overwhelming thinking about how you're going to fix that. And the thing is, is that everybody has that that deep well of self-doubt. I am seeing that come up in the workshop with everybody who's going through that phase right now. And um, and it is so typical. It is so familiar when I started to feel that incredible, like panicky self-doubt. Um, I was like, oh, I know this. I remember this. I've had it on every single novel I've ever written, with the exception of one. There's only one novel I ever wrote that I didn't have any self-doubt on. It was Wish You Were Here. Funny enough, not my best novel, I don't think. Um, but it's it's fun. It's definitely fun. But I wrote it in 28 days. My editor had pretty much like not a lot of notes for me. She was like, this is great. It's exactly what we want. And I was like, okay. And it just kind of like was the smoothest experience I've ever had. Never had an experience like that. I'm grateful I had it once. I don't expect to have it again. Um, but in every novel, almost every novel, it's this experience of like, I don't know how to do this. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. Yada, yada, yada. And so like, of course, as I'm walking all of these writers through that part of their process, I'm like, hey, I'm in it too. We're, we all go through that. Uh, so if you are in that part of writing your work, or if you are, you know, kind of feeling that, or if you remember feeling that, like that is something that everybody has. So I, I combat it by going to Office Depot. I went to Office Depot and I just bought, is Office Depot real anymore? Is that, a, is Office Max? It's an office store. It's one of them. It's one of the staples. I don't know. I think it was an office something. Um, but I went in and I bought highlighters and flags and the little post-its and, uh, you know, pens. And I got this whole thing and I got a, a three hole punch and I got one of those like back to school binders, you know, um, and I've been going into it in its paper form. I printed the whole thing out, gone into it in its paper form. Uh, it does really help to do that first revision in a different context from how you wrote it. And it also helps in to do it in a space where you can't just start rewriting and redrafting. You really need to read it as a reader in order to get that sense of it. So, uh, so that's what I did. Um, and it allowed me to focus on what I was doing just in the moment. Um, and then I realized that my opening scene was not doing what I needed an opening scene to do. And we're about to do an opening scene workshop in the, uh, in the year of writing magically. Um, so it was really good to interact with that and kind of work through that and figure out the opening scene. Um, and I'm still working on my central narrative conflict, which I'm still, I'm still kind of unsure of. Um, I'll figure it out. Like I always do. I've had, I've been here before central narrative conflict. Well, I know that it is essential to putting the structure together, uh, you know, from a, a theory and craft point of view. I also know that it is the part of the process that comes to me kind of last, you know, like it's in there. I know it's in there. I know I'll find it. And I kind of have a sense of what it is, um, but it's just not fully formed yet. And so that's part of the process. And like, as somebody who's a story expert, as somebody who's been through this, as somebody who tells you how to, you know, work your conflict and get your structure together, like, I just, you know, want you all to hear me going through this because this is part of the process. This is how it works. It is always messy. Um, and that is okay. And allowing that to be, taking a breath and just allowing that to be can make such a huge difference. But anyway, so, so I did a thing. 
right? I, I, there's somebody I knew was doing this like pet sitting co-op thing where they would like travel the world and just take care of other people's pets and just stay in different places. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And so I realized that like my need to do road trips, you know, like uh, with some frequency and, and getting on the road and, and the way that that helps me with my writing is really good. And so I, I, found this it's basically this co-op thing where you uh it's it's all free like they get me for free I get to stay in their house for free um so it's basically like you know having a place to to stay while you're you know traveling around and doing stuff and um and all you have to do is take care of the house take care of the pets which is pretty easy so um so I'm actually traveling out to the area of New York State where my book takes place and I'm going to do two weeks in October it's going to be like an intense writing retreat for me. Um, I will get a chance to hang out with Elisa Quitney. I'm very excited about that. Uh, if you don't know Elisa, she is my co-host on Endless, the Sandman podcast, and one of my very, very good friends and and kind of like my my writing partner at this point. Like we just kind of are in it together, you know. Um, and so that's really exciting to be able to hang out and spend time with her, to be able to be in the Hudson Valley of New York, which is where I grew up, which is where my book takes place. Um, so I'm, I'm really kind of excited about that um but like right now like my focus really needs to be on getting all of this these parts of my business put together so that I can fill this workshop so that I can work on a new book in the new year and and my thing is is that like if I don't get this book finished by December, you know when the workshop ends then that's fine and this is what I'm telling all the people who are in the workshop like Every single one without fail has said they've gotten more done on their book than they ever thought they would in a year. Um, but people have different situations. People have different life situations. You know, we spend the year working together. The cohort will be together, you know, bonded by this experience for a very, very long time. It's you have people with you who are working through at the same rate that you are. Some people are not done with drafting. Most of most people are at least done with drafting at this point, but some aren't. Um, and that is completely fine. Like you are where you are in your in your process, you know, um, and. And sometimes like a lot of people, a year is really fast for writing an entire long form fiction project. Um, you know, sometimes it takes two years, sometimes it takes 18 months. Everybody's different. So being able to learn all the skills required to finish the project, being able to go back to the material and get that reassurance when you're at that point in the, you know, the drafting doldrums or the muddy middle um, or, you know, the the self-doubt, um, you know, portion of that program to towards the revision, you know, time um, to be able to have all of that and know that you can do that, I think is, is really the incredible value of this workshop and community, 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 I think is the answer to, if you have a question about what's wrong with something, it's probably the lack of supportive community. And we all write, tend to write in this isolated space. So even to be able to be around other people who are experiencing that and going through that, not just in the NaNoWriMo month of the year, but throughout the whole year, through discovery, drafting and revision, um, really, really great. And I know this sounds like I'm super selling this workshop and I am like, I am trying to like get these spaces filled, but I also genuinely believe 
in this process because I have lived it for this past year and it is absolutely everything that I thought it could be. But basically, like because of that, because this is something that I need to make my year, um, you know, both uh, in terms of my business and in terms of my being able to write a novel every year, which is my goal. Um, I really need to spend this time in the fall, like, you know, pushing that um, that marketing boulder up the Sisyphusian hill. And if it means that I spend January and February, you know, those two months before the new workshop launches, um, finishing up my book, then that's how it, how it goes. Uh, one of the things you really have to do is is work with yourself as a creative person. Understand that it is OK to have life get in the way of what you're doing, but you just don't stop. Like, that's the only thing is that you just don't stop. You just keep even if you're only moving an inch a day, you just move what you can where you can and trust yourself that you will do it. That this is something that you want to do. This is something that you have set this time aside to do um, and you're going to do it. So uh, if any of you are in the Hudson Valley, you know, during October and you want to go and do a writing day at like a coffee shop or something, uh, drop me a line, Lonnie at LonnieDineRich.com. Um, and uh, maybe we'll do a little write-in somewhere or something. Um, all right. So let's talk about today's guest. Today's guest is Melina Cantor. Melina writes contemporary romance with a pinch of oregano and a dash of chutzpah. She loves to travel, especially to her family's village in Crete, and often turns her adventures into research for her novels. In July, 2012, she moved from New York to Jerusalem, where she now spends her time waiting on her two special needs rescue dogs, teaching empowerment self-defense, and serving as a co-municipal liaison for the Jerusalem NaNoWriMo region. Melina loves the color pink, baking, daffodils, butterflies, learning to use power tools, coding and robotics, and breaking boards and cinder blocks with her bare hands. This woman is powerful. And of course, she loves reading and writing, which is why she's so honored to be taking part in Lonnie's Year of Writing Magically workshop. All three of the protagonists in the trilogy, Melina, is writing, practice, martial arts, and empowerment, self-defense, which is really very cool. That is my little editorial coming in because I've actually read uh, some of Melina's work and it's it's really, really fun. Um, so I've known Melina for a long time. I have read some of her work. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I read one of her Crete romances probably like 10 years ago. Um, and I still remember the book. I still remember the visuals, especially from the book. Um, and I have a really strong visual sense of that novel, which is uh, which is fun. I always kind of want to go back to it. Um, and Melina's had some struggles with her writing process. And wanted to take me up on the opportunity to come on How Story Works, get a free writing consultation. Um, and so we're going to chat about it. And spoilers, her problem was not what she thought it was. So we had a really valuable chat about the process of reframing the way we think about our writing. And I realized that there is a percentage of writing consultation that is also a little bit therapy. I go through this on a lot of my consultations where we have to sit down and kind of work through the stress and tension points uh, the pain points for the individual I'm consulting so that we can figure out what is going on with their relationship to their writing and how we can mend that so that they can get back to the work. Um, so this, what you're about to hear is very, very typical for how these writing consultations tend to go with me. Um, it's a little bit therapy. It's a little bit, you know, training. It's a little bit educational. It's like a whole mix of stuff. Um, but it's always really fun. And I really enjoy talking to writers. Um, about this kind of thing. I had a great time talking to Melina. Um, and so here you go. Here's our conversation. 
Okay, so Melina, I'm so excited to have you here and to be able to sit down and chat with you. Um, I've known you for such a long time, um, and I read some of your work like earlier on in your career. Really enjoyed it. Still remember it to this day. Still remember those those Greek romance. I just I loved it so much. Um, so I'm very excited to have you here today, so we can kind of sit and chat about what's going on with you and and what's going on with your writing. Now, you are in the Year of Writing Magically workshop that I've been teaching this year. Um, and it's been so much fun having you having you in it. Um, has it helped you with your writing? Has it helped you move along with what you needed to move with? Oh, so much. I, oh, good. The book that I'm working on now, I probably wouldn't have without the class because the amount of research for this was more than mm. any other I've ever done. And mm-hmm. so many people wrote to me and said, oh, you need to know about bees? I'm a beekeeper. Here, send me questions. And then there was a lawyer who helped. And I can't tell you how many people sent me information and cheered me on. And I have a whole draft now because of it. Oh, my Thanks God. That's them. so amazing. Yeah. I, I love that. I remember that chat in the research section. We have like this uh, this Discord chat room and one of the sections was research and Melina was asking questions and then everybody just seemed to have all of her answers, like people who were in the class and part of our, our little uh, cohort. Um, it was so awesome that they just happened. And the, the bees, everybody was doing something with bees. I had bees as the logo and then you were writing with bees and then somebody else had bees in their thing. It just kind of became the symbol of, um, of the year. You know, we're all a bunch of worker bees trying to get our books done oh i love that exactly worker bees that's us for sure <laughs> okay so um you have these three romances that you've been working on um for a while this one that you've been writing this year is the third in like in the series of three right um and so you were telling me about some issues that you were having trying to like figure out your process and are you a pantser are you a plotter where are you on that spectrum and that it was giving you some writer's block so why don't you go ahead and like explain that a little bit and then we'll we'll dig in and see what we can find out okay um i am definitely a pantser and i am a <laughs> plotter oops <laughs> okay I, I am definitely a plotter and i thought that over the years that i was moving a little bit along the spectrum more towards pantser also. And I kind of like the combination, mm-hmm. but now I'm falling back into my plotter ways. And the amount of time <laughs> I spend plotting is really holding me back. And if I don't plot, and I don't have all my research done perfectly. I stare at my screen and I just freeze and it's painful and I can't move forward. I have to have everything planned out. My Scrivener documents are so organized. I wish my house looked like that, but it really doesn't. But my Scrivener <laughs> documents are insane. And I feel like I'm wasting too much time being that organized and prepared. And I'm not writing as okay. fast as I should be. Okay. All right. Um, well, first of all, um, one of the things that like we all as writers kind of need to remember is that we are who we are. Like we work the way we work. And there are times where I would love to be more of a plotter. I wish that I was more of a plotter. Um, But I know that like I'm a pantser at heart and that's how I write. Um, There are times where you'll naturally slide on the spectrum. But I think if you're trying to like push yourself 
in a direction that can be um, that can be a problem. But listening to you right now, even in just those few seconds that you were telling me what this problem is. I am going to make a guess. Like I usually try not to make a guess right up front, but it's so is it possible that your problem is not that you are too much of a plotter and you like to be more of a pantser, but that you are um, procrastinating because writing can sometimes be a little intimidating? That's very likely. There was one nano <laughs> where I actually was more of a pantser. Halloween, actually, some of my <laughs> fellow Rhymos from my region got on Zoom with me and we talked about my story and they went from there with no other research done. And that draft is yes. a mess. I'm afraid to open it, but I really did enjoy it. But now I'm back mm -hmm. to my every scene has to be planned and the structure okay. has to all be there and I have to have all these notes and even my playlist has to correspond to the scenes and it's getting a little crazy. And it could be yeah. a, a confidence thing. And also, um, even in high school, I couldn't do in-class essays writing on demand, I just kind of freeze. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. uh, so I think it might be a combination of a lot of things. It sounds like it's a combination of a lot of things. So I think that like what your focus, your focus, I don't think needs to be on moving yourself down to the pantser part of that spectrum, right? Because you are, you are where you are. You know, you will shift naturally in some places with different books or whatever, but some things you need to do that research in order to understand where you are, right? Um, but let me ask you the question now we had like um, a couple of months of drafting in the year of writing magically class how did you do with that drafting did you did you finish your book how far did you get I have a draft that needs to be really filled in mm -hmm. and I'm really happy with what I have right now okay um, but I had a painful start because I didn't have enough research done and mm -hmm. I I, I couldn't just put a note saying, learn more about this and then move on. I had right. to have it exactly. And, and that really, it, it caused me to freeze a lot. And then once I got research and I could sit and write 3,000 words in one sitting, uh -huh. but if I wasn't prepared, then I had nothing and I would sit there and it was the most painful thing. <laughs> Oh, wow. And we start with that discovery. Like at the beginning of the class, we started with discovery. So had you done any discovery on this book or did you come in fresh and just start on it in this class? I did all of the discovery that we did in the class. I made oh, my playlist. We... <laughs> I did, I, I did okay. the collage. I did all of that. And okay. I also had a lot of the characters in the previous two books. Sure. So I, I, I pulled, So the protagonist was one that I already knew. Mm -hmm. So... Oh, that's awesome. Well, and that's something, too, that like when you are writing something that is related to other things that you've written, then you not only have to like work within the parameters of whatever it is that you're writing now, but you have to think about what you've already written, what is already in the world, and then try to like fit your story within those parameters. So sometimes that can get a little tight. That can feel a little tight. Yeah, it definitely wasn't as free as the first one. <laughs> So the first one, I was still really building the world and I had to stay in the same world more or less for the third one. So, mm -hmm. yeah, well, I'm, OK, I'm really interested in this um, experience that you have where you freeze. Right. Like where you, you don't have enough research, you don't have enough figured out, you don't like you feel like you're not ready. And then you completely freeze in the moment your mind goes blank. Right. 
Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've had that experience in different areas of my life um, where if uh, like, you know, okay. One of the things like I've always had a problem with is like speaking, like saying what it is that I want. If so somebody asked me like, you know, we're going out to dinner, where do you want to go? I will literally not have an answer for them. I will literally freeze and have no idea. Um, And so like when you hit that freeze, that kind of has the um, has an element of a trauma response to it, you know, that like there's that that moment when you absolutely freeze and you just like you can't do anything. And it's almost like a panic. Is that what you're feeling like a like a panic feeling? It's not quite to the level of panic. It's mm-hmm. more just frustration. And I sit yeah. there and I turn on my playlist or I get up and walk around for a few minutes and wash the dishes and do all the things that I've been told that I should do that. Are, <laughs> that and things that I tell other people to do during sure. NaNoWriMo. I'm one of the municipal liaisons. And so I'm really good at telling other people how to handle it. Right. But nothing that I preach works for myself. So uh, I just sit there and I get frustrated and I can't figure it out. And then once that light bulb goes off, I can sit and write and enjoy it. But mm-hmm. it it takes so long for that moment to get there. It's like I have to write it in my head first before it actually gets onto the page. Okay. So it just takes so long, and then I just get annoyed, and <laughs> black, and the, the confidence level drops, and I all of it. that. I get it. I get it. Um, All right. Well, one of the things, though, that we talk about in the class is actually two things we've talked about in class that I think have some relevance here. So we're going to explore those a little bit. Um, But one of the things that we talk about in class is the willingness to be a mess when you're drafting. Um, Are you willing to write a bad scene that you may need to rip out later or completely revise? I want to be willing. Okay. I want to say I'm willing. I'm, and I, in right. theory, I am, uh-huh. but then I can't make it happen. So, but then when you get there, you can't make it happen. Or sometimes I, I can and I can accept it and move on. But usually it's like I have to have the scene almost even re- fully revised before I can go on to the next. Okay. Okay. And you know what? That's all right. Like, there's nothing here that you're telling me, aside from the fact that you are feeling like the only problem I'm really seeing here is that you are feeling frustration, right? That it is making you feel, um, I I think, probably a little bit thwarted in your desire to, like, write this book, you know, and get it done. Right. Um, Right. But I think that. Like one of the other things I was talking about in the class that that I think apply to where we are now is that um, we really want to lean into our strengths, right, rather than look at our strengths as weaknesses and rather than like hunt and do whack-a-mole with weaknesses. One of the things that you really want to do with your writing is lean into those strengths, right? And so if I were to ask you to look at everything you've just told me and reframe it in the context of your strengths, what would you tell me your strengths are? Overall in writing or when it comes to I mean, do you see do you see anything in in these issues that you're having that speak to your strengths as a writer? Structure. Okay. (laughs) I really love talking about structure and following a structure. And maybe I'm too dependent on structure, but it really does help me. And I really do like exploring it. Okay. Well, see, so, right. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with any of this aside from your emotional response that feels like you should be something that you're not. Right. And time. I feel like it wastes a lot of time. Okay. Also. 
It, it may take some time, but also you have to remember if you are actually drafting and revising at the same time, then your final product is going to be neater when it's done than like some writer like me, where I pants my way through it, realize I don't know what my central narrative conflict is. Yes, everybody listening. I wrote an entire book and I don't know what my central narrative conflict is. Like, I'm still having trouble with that. Now I've got to find it and figure out a way to fit that into the story as I go. So, like, you don't always know these things all the way through and that's fine. But you have that desire for structure and that and that desire for doing the research and for understanding where your characters are before you write. But then once you do that, you fly, Right. Right. It's a stop and start feeling. Sure, sure. I get that. I get that. Um, but you know what it is that you're missing, though? Like when you get frustrated, right? How do you like with a scene that you couldn't write one day and then the next day you could write 3000 words in a sitting? What happened between those two spaces? Either I find something in my research mm-hmm. or something just clicks yeah. out of the blue. And there it is. Mm hmm. Okay. All right. So you have a process that is a stop-start process. All right. So one of the first things that I would recommend to you is that our goal here is not to fix it, but our goal here is to facilitate the strengths that, that give you that space, right? Because a lot of times, one of the first things that's going to shut down your creativity is the idea of like, I'm not doing this right. I have to do this different. I have to, you know, like force myself to be something that I am not, you know? And I see that like stump a lot of writers, a lot of writers come to me and they're like, you know, I'm having this problem, yada, yada. And I'm like, your problem is that you're looking at what somebody else is doing and thinking that should be you. That is not how you write. That is not how you, you work. And here's the thing. I know that what you're doing is working because you will sit down and fly 3000 words in a sitting. I mean, that's awesome. That's amazing. Uh, very few writers can do that much. So if you can sit down and write 3000 words at a pop, then something you're doing is absolutely right. Absolutely right. And those are the things that I think we need to reframe how you're looking at this as a problem and look at it as a strength right? That you need that time to research and to figure out your structure and to know all of your stuff. Do you know your central narrative conflict from the beginning? Otherwise, I can't write. Otherwise, you can't just totally. Right. Yeah, I have to know from the very beginning. You're so far ahead of me. <laughs> no, but then, but then it holds me back. And I sit mm-hmm. there, I have a lot of days with zero words sitting there. Okay. I haven't written today. I want to write. And then I see other writers either in our class or yes. in my nano region sitting there with their headphones on so rel- just drafting away and looking so happy and free <laughs> and I want to be doing that and it's yes I can't get there very easily yes well they, I want to be they, plotting they, the way that you do <laughs> why why would you want because you know, because what you're doing, what I think is going on in your brain is that you are actually doing both drafting and revision at the same time. Right? I still have to revise a lot, though, but. You still have to revise a little bit. Sure you do. But you're definitely on like a firmer path than I am. Like I finished, I was one of those writers doing, you know, 2000 words a day when I would sit down in the thing and report my words into our little chat. Right. Um, But on the other end of it, I, as the story expert, I, as the person who teaches other people this stuff, 
did not know what my central narrative conflict was. I didn't know who my antagonist was. I was really struggling with my antagonist and what was going on with that. And I mean, I'm thinking like I'm figuring it out and that's good. But like I have to go back in and do like a massive rip it up and put it back together like from the start. My opening scene is not my opening scene. I figured out what that is now. So I'm starting that and I'm getting all of that together. Um, But so everybody, every writer finds things in their process that are frustrating and that are difficult right every writer has that every writer writes differently too like people have different processes so you one of the, like the first things like you need to release is watching other people and thinking oh I should be the way that they are because that's not how you write you know so does that make sense it makes so much sense. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I do know that you write very fast. And I've always envied that. I guess the grass is always greener with somebody else's the process. The grass is always greener with somebody else's process. Yeah, absolutely. Like I do write really fast and then I have to revise a lot. And that takes a whole, it's almost like another drafting process. Like my first revision that is just me and me um, is is almost like a, a separate drafting process. Like I really need to go in. That's when I need to go in And like when I'm writing, I need to shut down all of my knowledge. I need to shut down everything I know about central narrative conflict, about structure, about everything. I need to just write. And that can be really difficult because I've spent so long studying this. I wrote literally the book on it and I have to set it aside in order for me to write. If I write thinking about structure and thinking about all of these, you know, details that I need to research and make sure that they're right. I and um, that's when I shut down. Right. And then I freeze and I can't do anything. So I need to let all of that go and lean into my strength. Right. Which is the writing fast. It may not be writing well. It may not be writing accurately, but shit's fast. So we're good. But right. You're writing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm writing. That's that's what makes me jealous because you're writing. Yes. But so are so. you. So are you. Because one of the fallacies, the thought fallacies that we're dealing with right here is the idea that the only time you are valid in writing is when there are words landing on the page. And I know you've heard me say this because I've said it a million times. You've been listening to me since 2006 and you're in my class. Um, You are writing even when there's no typey, typey, typey going on. Like you are thinking your brain is grinding this problem. And that's why all of a sudden you'll have an insight and you'll be like, oh, and then you can run, right? So because, and here's the thing, the reason why I don't think that you have a problem in your writing is because you are making that progress, right? It's stop and start and I can get like how frustrating that is, especially if you are looking at other people and setting your expectations for yourself based on what they're doing, which is not, they don't have your brain, they don't have your writing style, they are not you. You are a unique little unicorn of a person, right? And your little unicorn of a person ways are going to be different from my little unicorn of a person ways. Doesn't make either one of us less of a unicorn. It's just who we are, right? It's just how it works. So I, you know, honestly, like I, in what you're telling me, I don't see anything wrong in your process. I don't see anything like, you know, we've talked about like, there's not a sense of real panic there. There's not a sense of, it's not like, you know, coming on like a trauma response. Like it is for me. If somebody asked me what I want for dinner, um, you know, I mean, like it's none of that stuff. Like you are actually, I think doing really, really well. Your only problem is that you are, you're focused on what you think is wrong with your process rather than what's going right with your process. 
this. Like, instead of coming to me and saying, yeah, I just keep, you know, I have to do all this research and I can't write anything until I research and da, 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 da. You could come in and be like, okay, this is what's awesome about me is that I will have a couple of days where I'm not like putting anything down on paper, but my brain is grinding it. And once I get that research, once I get that moment of inspiration, man, I fly. It's like 3000 words in a day, you know, that wow. is amazing. Hearing you say that, I, I it makes sense, but I, I'm kind of shocked right now because it never yeah. occurred to me to look at it that way at all. Mm -hmm. And I can't quite feel it as a strength yet, but it makes so much sense. So thank you for saying all of this. <laughs> Really? Well, no, it's true. It's true. Like if I saw something that I felt that you were doing that was negative to your process or that was holding you back, I would tell you, you know, I would. I mean, you've heard me talk to other people. Like if, if there's something that I feel like somebody like is holding them back that they need to do, all you need is to reframe the way you think about your process. That's where your issue is. That's why you're feeling frustrated instead of excited because those three or four days where you can't put any words down, those are days where you are still working. You are still drafting. It's just that you're like one of those people that you fill up the well and then you drain it and then you fill up the well and then you drain it. And then and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, because at the end, you end up with a book same as everybody else. That's an amazing analogy. Wow. <laughs> but those three or four days, though, what should I do? Any ideas what I should be doing? I, besides sitting at my computer, looking at a page and going, oh, my God, I haven't written today. Yeah, I've only should, got 100 okay. words. Like, what do I do? Yeah, first of all, you can release that. Right. You can release and you can say to yourself, all right, I'm in brainwriting mode. I am drafting, but I'm drafting in my head. So these are my brain drafting days and I'm going to let them be. I'm going to do other things. I'm going to do the dishes. I'm going to do what I tell everybody else to do. I'm going to walk the dogs. You know, I'm going to do my thing. Right. And I'm going to breathe and trust myself that on the other end of this is going to be a writing day where I'm writing like fire. Right. Because then you know what it is that you need. Like, you're doing great. I don't see anything wrong with any of this. It's just that like, and again, this is one of the things in the class that I talked about early on is I was talking about like your bespoke plan, you know, that like you need to build a, I have a structure for what we do so that we can learn the things that we need to learn for the different phases of writing. But the phases of writing overlap, you know, drafting happens during discovery, discovery happens during drafting and revision, revision happens during drafting, like all of these things overlap, but understand how they work for you, that you have a discovery process that, that goes intermittent with your drafting process. Awesome. You have a revision process that goes intermittent with your drafting process. Fine. So like you have a couple of days of discovery, of research, of thinking, of, you know, waiting for that inspiration to strike and then it hits and then you got to go. The only problem with that is that if you're a busy person, like everybody is, and you've got like, I don't know, a job and things to do, you know, which most people have like lifetime commitments, the moment that it hits you may not be ready to write like you may not be able. So like the big thing is to make sure that you have tools, that you have uh, the audio or the um, the recording, the voice memo thing on your phone as like an app that is on its own page and it's right there and it's easy to find. And you can just babble your thoughts into the app if you are driving or if you're on your way somewhere or whatever. And that's the moment that it hits. Have a method, have a notebook with you at all times or, you know, like if you have a little iPad 
had, you can have your little phone, your uh, pencil to write in. Um, just that you've got a way to jot it down, a little handy notebook so that you can jot down bullet points when they come to you if it's not a convenient time and then you can get back to it later. Those are all things that you can do to lean into what is your strength in your process and like facilitate who you are as a writer rather than trying to fight it. Wow. <laughs> my mind is just blown right now. I'm definitely going to move the voice memo app to its own page yes. on my phone. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. And when you said brain writing and brain drafting, like I, that never occurred to me, but that's what I'm going to call it from now on. That's it. That's what you're it's doing. It's a scary thought, but I'm still going to. You're still working. Language in my head. Yeah, you're still working. You're still making progress. It just doesn't look the same now. You know, like when I teach the workshop, I teach it in this kind of like they're very distinct phases. And because we're learning about the phases during these times, we're doing drafting like all of us together at the same time. And people have different things. Like, you know, we had one student who was writing like 300 words a day doing so really consistently and they were solid words. But like that was the rate at which that person moved. You know, I was coming in, I was getting 1200 to 2000 words a day, something in there. And then I had to stop completely because I had to move my apartment and I was like, I can't do both things at once, you know. So life interferes, things happen, all that stuff happens. But the big thing to remember is that you, we, I think, generally, culturally are encouraged to focus on what is wrong and what is weak about what we're doing. But, it, but if you just reframe that a little bit, lean into those strengths your, I mean, I think that your drought days, your brain drafting days are going to be shorter. They're definitely going to be less painful for you. They're going to take less of an emotional toll on you. If you just embrace and accept this, is how I write is it like I, at a certain point I had to do that. I was doing uh, the will write for one podcast with Cindy and you'll hear me say this in those episodes back in 2007. Oh, I wish I could plot like you. Cause she would I remember out, that. Yes. She would fill out a spreadsheet and just know where everything was going. I was writing the comeback kiss at the same time, like during that, that time we were recording the thing and I had written a whole thing and I didn't know who my antagonist was. I didn't know who the bad guy was. There was a murder. There were things happening. There were bad things happening, but I didn't know who it was. And she was like, well, aren't you almost done? Don't you have to hand this in in like a month? And I was like, yeah, I just don't know what it is. And she got so stressed out on my behalf. Like, uh, you know, she got stressed out for me and I felt really super bad about it. But, you know, we are just different writers and different people. and We write in different ways. And like in the end, we both had a book. We both had a good book that was done and ready for prime time. But she can't, she went at it differently from how I did. But grass is greener. I looked at her and thought, oh, if I could just be more like you. And that was kind of part of what started me on the How Story Works journey is like, I need to understand it so that I can plot. <laughs> and then I realized that that's not how I go. That's not how I work, at least on these. Like your process will change from book to book. I've had that happen where whatever it was I was doing on one book won't work on the other. And I have to rediscover my process every single time. This may be a process that you have on all of these books. You've had this during Nano. You've had this during these experiences. And it's all always like this, but it's okay. You know, like you can, if you don't get 50,000 words done in the 30 days of Nano, that's all right. Like sit down, be part of it, participate, be in it. That's awesome. But you don't have to live by anybody else's rules. This that you're worried about is not a weakness. It's not a weakness. I remember those conversations about not knowing who your antagonist was and how you wanted to be more like Sam or Cindy. Yeah. And I, I've read both books and I love them both. Oh, thank so you. 
So <laughs> see, it worked out. It was I fine. See what, yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's fine, but everybody has that in their process. Like everybody has these, you know, moments in their process when they just look at it and they look at somebody else and they think, oh, that's so much easier or that looks so much better. They're grown up. They know how to, you know, and it's nothing like that. It's just that like there are certain ways that people write and there are certain ways that other people write and you just have to become comfortable with who you are and you need to embrace what you are seeing as weaknesses because they are actually strengths. I think that all of those things that you do, the brain drafting, the brain writing, all of that is part of what leads you to be the unique and wonderful writer that you are. So lean in, embrace. I love all of these ideas. Still kind of scared of the mom, but I will embrace them for sure. And I'll hear your voice in my head saying brain drafting. Yes. So brain drafting. Absolutely. And I think that if you if you relax and you don't clench up when you start to feel like you're not getting those words down, if you if you know that it's a brain drafting day, don't sit down in front of the blank page. Don't do it. Right. That's not productive for you. And you may find that those brain drafting days go faster if you lean in and you embrace them and you let them be what they are. Right. That makes a ton of sense. I just have to <laughs> work on the whole BMS thing which i can be in other areas of my life don't get me wrong but the writing that's that's where (laughs) the messy part becomes a little bit scary and i'm not sure why that is but it's incredibly oh because there's nothing in the world more vulnerable than writing i mean my god right like you're you're writing a story you are intending to put it out for other people to read because that is the even if it's only one person that is the process if you are writing to communicate something then you need one person to read it and that's done and that's all you need for that to be a successful story um what you do with it after that is completely up to you like you can do whatever you want after that but once one person has read it you're good you've done your job um but i think that like just being able to lean in um accept you know, um, do things to um, enhance that part of you, like, you know, embrace it, get out your sticky notes, get out whatever your research material, like have research right there all the time at your side, have that easy and accessible on your phone, on your computer and all of that, too. Um, You know, like it is it is absolutely a strength. And I think that you will do amazing work with this. I mean, I read one of your novels. I really enjoyed it. I super remember. I have visuals of the island of Crete still in my head from oh. that. And every now and again, I'm like, ah, oh, I kind of want to read that book again. Thank you for reading. <laughs> your feedback was really helpful. I oh, really appreciate it. Yeah, that was really helpful <laughs> feedback that I've, that's I've awesome. actually, I worked it in. I've taken the opening scene that I sent you. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm so glad. All right. Do you have any other questions? Is there anything else that you wanted to talk to me about? Uh, really? This was, this is my biggest <laughs> hurdle. And to hear all of your reassurance means the world. And to know that the stop and start isn't <laughs> going to ruin my story or no. anything like that. And to just reframe it, it won't be easy, but I'll work on it. I promise. So. You can do it. And actually, we'll have you back so you can let us know how it goes. I'll take all of it to heart. Amazing advice. Thank you so much. Really, I hadn't thought of any of it like that. So great to hear all of this. Well, I'm glad I can Yeah, you definitely did. (laughs) I'm glad I can help. And I can't wait to hear how it goes. I'll tell you for sure. 
All right. Thank you so much to Melina for joining me today and chatting about all of these things. If you'd like to know more about Melina, you can follow her at In My Unpopular Opinion on Instagram. If you'd like a consultation like this one, there are two ways to get one. One, you can just email me at Lonnie at LonnieDyingRich.com and offer to be a guest on How Story Works. Uh, let me know the general shape of what you're struggling with and we will sit down and have a chat. Or you can purchase a private consultation via Zoom. Um, I have them at various different levels depending on where you are and what it is that you want help with. So reach out to me at Lonnie at LonnieDyingRich.com to ask about private consultations. Um, all right. Well, that is it for this episode of How Story Works. Thanks again to Melina Cantor for hanging out with me. It was such a joy to talk to her, as it always is. And thank you for hanging out with me today. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye.